Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast, and it's the BBP. Oh. All in one show. First time, long around. time. First time, long time. Uh, we, 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 we're combining shows this week since uh, <laughs> there's really only one show's worth of things to talk about. Uh, we'll, football's on hold. For, we're going to put pause on football. Probably still, we could probably still squeeze an hour podcast out of football if we wanted to, but there's not a whole lot going on. They were off this past weekend. They're off this coming weekend. Um, they're scheduled to play again on December 12th. We'll see how that goes. Um, things have been a little difficult in the COVID world in college football right now. So um, we're going to instead take a deep dive into the college basketball season. I'm here. Dave Simone's here. Hi, Dave. Hey, what's going on? Nothing. I know you've done a ton of research for this podcast. I know you're excited. I am as deep into the nitty gritty of college basketball as I've ever been. (laughs) Brent Brent Young also here. Hi, Brent. How are we, Chad? Gentlemen, I think, you know what, as much as Dave has researched for this, I don't know. I've done a little bit of research myself, and I have. I, I have I'm, lots. I'm of, giddy. I have lots I'm of giddy, questions. Dave. I could be like the moderator and ask you guys a bunch of questions about the season. I'm not going to be good with any of the answers. <laughs> okay, we might fair go enough. that route here. Once we get started, we might go that route where where Dave asks the Dave asks questions segment uh, of the 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 roundtable discussion, and we've got Aaron Smith live from Florida. Hi, Aaron. What's going on, man? Yeah, here uh, visiting uh, some family. Um, You're in Florida, and it's cold. It's snowing here. I mean, it's not cold, yeah. cold, but cold for Fort Myers standards. Yeah. What What is the temperature? I mean, it's currently seventy. It, tomorrow, oh, tomorrow. You're gonna... an ass. You're an asshole. <laughs> Chad, Chad. Here's the thing. Sorry, here's Dan. the thing. So, so I flew out this morning from Florida back to Indy at what six a.m. Got off the plane, got out of the airport in Indy, and I tell you what, there is no worse feeling than leaving an airport after being somewhere south, and you are ice cold, freezing. I wanted to cry. I think I did cry actually. I when did. I when I moved back from LA back in two thousand, it was in the middle of January, and when I left LA, it was eighty six and perfect. And when I got back here, it was like seven degrees and i almost wanted to just immediately turn back around and be like i made a terrible mistake (laughs) i made a terrible mistake um so we're gonna we're gonna dissect discuss uh get into everything that is uh bearcats basketball with the season two sleeps away wednesday five o'clock the the, uh the patented five o'clock weekday game who doesn't like five o'clock tip that we get for both uh, Lipscomb and Furman over the next couple weeks. Really excited about that. We've got the Crosstown shootout coming up on Sunday, uh, 6 o'clock. So we have got a lot to get to. And um, let, let, let's kick it off. Brent, I know you want to start this thing off. I, I know you are you are busting at the seams to talk about this basketball team. So – uh, we'll let you fire away, and then uh, Aaron, Dave, uh, feel free to chime in. And, and Dave, if you have questions, uh, we'll direct them to Brent for now because he is he is busting at the seams. Busting at the seams is correct because this is a situation where 
everyone has been completely, uh, honestly, on the verge of freaking out, wondering where is the coverage for this basketball team? Why aren't we hearing more about it? Why aren't we getting this, this, this live practice footage? Well, you have seven new players coming in, just like last year. You have a, a completely installed system where up to this point, as strongly to the point where John Brandon is saying he is excited about this team. He's, he's happy with where they are in progress. You're getting a lot of quietness, a lot of mum, which means, in my eyes, some things are very positive on the inside that they don't want to let out. I think this team is, is, has all the pieces. I think it is a team that works together. I think it's going to be a team that you see surprise a lot of people. And I love the fact that they are being doubted. I love the fact that they are so low on so many people's different metrics and, and ratings, because I honestly think they have a good nucleus, a good core, and then a potential depth at each position, kind of like what we see in football, but we'll touch on that later. It's, it's a team that I think has some star power to it. When you throw in a Keith Williams, and a Chris Vote, who I believe will take a big step. But then David DeJulius, I think, completely explodes this year. And then you have the talks of Atari Eason, really, really doing a fantastic job blowing up for that second group. When you hear David DeJulius mention that Bearcat fans just got to be nervous that he might leave early for the NBA draft. When you easy, have some players, easy, Tiger, easy. When, when you have Brent, players Brent's on your ready team, to cut the damn nets down. When, when you have, players on your team mentioning things like that and this is a David Julius who played in the Big Ten and saw those high-level players my my vision is not cut down the nets but my vision is this is a very very underrated team and I think that the fact that everything has been so quiet is because I think John Brandon and the coaching staff really has a good feeling about them as well so you feel like it's completely by design then that everything's been as tight-lipped as it has been to be honest. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, do. Even, it, it, even it has been by, by design that everything has been tight lipped. Uh, I do not think it is because John Brandon loves his team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because of what's going on in 2020, obviously. And as well as, I, you know, maybe there's some things that they need to work out, but I just look at the team and I think that if they get through the first couple of, of road road tests in the beginning of the schedule, I, I think what the odds are, this is going to be a really good team that meshes molds is deep, can play fast, kind of what John Brandon wants to do. And, and if his system continues to be implemented throughout the season, then I don't know when it comes later in the year, mid to late conference, as, as most branded teams go, they get better as the season progresses. I mean, call me crazy, but I've got high hopes, and I think they're going to be well, going to be a lot better than what they're being talked about right now. To clear up something, because I know people take what I just said wrong. There's not a coach in the country that likes his team in November, right? It, right. it doesn't. I mean, Mark Few. I'm sure Mark Few looks at his team right now and goes, <laughs> "Pretty damn good." Uh, you're not there's, best. Not a, there's not a coach in the country that likes his team, and John has talked about that. Uh, in in one of a couple of the zooms that we've had, um, I think he liked them when he first, you know, got them, um, right? You know, practicing for this year. But the more you watch your team practice against your team, over and over and over again, the less you like your team. Greg now, Marshall never likes his team. Oh man, Greg Marshall doesn't have a team. <laughs> it's not a problem this year. 
but but I think John would feel better about his team if hypothetically they would have been able to scrimmage somebody um, that that was wearing you know different colors, uh, maybe a, a a different shade of red, oh. uh, maybe more of a white than a black uh, oh. is their secondary color. Like if he had a chance to do something like that, uh, and then say he saw his team go out and play really well uh, and win by a convincing margin, um, say in the 20 plus 25 plus point range, I think maybe then if something like that happened, I think maybe then he would feel a lot better about his team, but you know, that's all strictly hypothetical and, if something like that were to happen, it would be a super <laughs> secret and nobody would know about it and we wouldn't be able to talk about it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the hypothetical I've got is if that could have happened, I think he'd feel better uh, than he does, but I'm very interested to see this team Wednesday night, especially, I mean, Lipscomb's, okay, you know, they're, they're middle of the pack. Um, you know, right around 150 and Ken Palm, 160 and Ken Palm. Uh, mm -hmm. That should be a team that, that they take care of. But then you jump two feet into the fire with Xavier. Furman is not going to be uh, easy. That's a top 100 level team. And then you get Tennessee and Georgia uh, as long as everything, you know, holds to form. So uh, I, I can understand why you're, you're excited, Brent, because it is exciting having a team that you haven't really seen play together. But I think you need answers at point guard. <clears throat> we assume that DeJulius is going to come in and be that answer at point guard. And he, he very well could be. But you need to see that in person. Right. Um, you need to see how that rotation between Mike Adams Woods and um, Zach Harvey uh, pans out. Uh, where does Tari Eason fit? Can you? I think the biggest question for me coming in right now, can you play – Rapolis, Ivanowskis, and Chris Vote together for extended minutes. And if you can, how much are we going to see a platoon of possibly, you know, like Vote with, with Tari Eason and then Rap with Mamadou Diara? Um, I think that is probably for me going in the, the most interesting storyline. Aaron? I'm, I don't know. I mean, just kind of knowing how many, it's seven new guys. Let's start there. We got seven new players. So this is kind of even more of a rebuild than last year as, you know, Brandon's got his feet under him now. It's not his first year with the program. He's got his guys now. He's not just kind of stuck with more of mixed leftovers. There is no more um, Jaron drama to start the season, whatever that was. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what the, the freshmen, incoming freshmen are, uh, kind of is my storyline. I'm, I'm more curious to see which of the Madsen twins is actually going to be the one that stands out. I know uh, Gabe's the more ballyhooed of the two, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where Mason, uh, if he can crack any part of any type of PT. Um, and then, you know, just kind of, I'm almost more curious to see even more so than, you know, the, uh, the, the power forward center rotation, where does Micah Adams Woods after he filled in very well and earned that starting position last year at the point, um, how that's going to go with Julius coming in from Michigan as a much higher touted recruit initially. 
Um, but, you know, this was Mike Adams-Woods' team at the end of the year last year. It was Jaron Cumberland's team. I mean, at, at the, the point, the year, like, as far as the point guard position. Yeah, Jaron Cumberland played. I mean, Mike Adams-Woods was playing off the ball. Jaron was playing point guard. Um, Mike is not a, a, a point. He's not a one. I mean, he's, he's a really good combo. Uh, I think he is probably best suited playing with a one to where he can play off of that. I, I mean, the thing with Mike is I want to see him be more aggressive. Yeah. I want to see him slash more. look, look to, to get more action offensively because there were times last year and it was the pecking order. You know, Jerem was, was going to get fed. Trey was going to get fed uh, vote for a long portion of last year was going to get fed, but there were times I thought Mike, had looks that he, he didn't take and that's being a freshman. So I, I'm not necessarily criticizing him for that. But in his development, um, you know, I think it's more important that he becomes more assertive offensively because I think the reason you probably see him as a one or, or thought of him in that way his is because he wasn't matchups. Yeah, and he wasn't he wasn't being aggressive offensively as a two. Sure. And you want your shooting guard, like they call it a shooting guard, their scoring guard for a reason. Um, I, I do think he needs to get more, um, more confidence there. And, and I don't even know if it's confidence. He has confidence, but he needs to be right. more comfortable, uh, taking those looks. Well, and I think, and you I, can th- make, I was going to say, I think you can make that same argument for Zach Harvey playing right behind him at that same position. And, uh, you could almost even say that we want to see that same thing out of Keith Williams. Yeah. I, the thing about Micah for me was that when he did decide to, to drive to the rim or did decide to, to fire up a shot, it was never really ill-advised. He never really made any of the freshman mistakes, which would have been the, a reason for him to get yanked. And he constantly just played really good on-ball defense. He, he was the point guard defensively, if you want to look at it that way, guarding the other team's defensively, ball, yeah, ball handler. But it was Jaron Cumberland at the point. Once I, I believe it was the Tulsa game from the Tulsa game on, it was Jaron Cumberland at the point, which I think this year it's not going to be that way. I, I, you know, where John has kind of said he, he figures out who his primary ball handler is sometimes midway through the season. You, know, you saw Jalen Tate, you saw Jaron Cumberland. I, I don't think Keith has the ball handling and, and, you know, passing ability like Jaron did. I, I think it's got to be DeJulius or if Mikey Saunders completely just dominates. I've, I've heard he's looked good from any, any way through the, through the grapevine, but you know, it, it's interesting to see because I think Micah is a fantastic long defender on the opposing team's primary ball handler. And then aside from that, like you said, when he was aggressive and took it to the rim, he was able to finish through contact. He he was able to finish, but it was only like once every two games. So obviously needs to amp up the aggression, but I, I think he could, but I think Zach Harvey will eventually show that he's got a little bit more offensive side to him. And I think Zach Harvey will be the guy when you need those offensive rotations and offensive guys that you're, you're going to play Harvey over Micah every time. Dave, you got questions? I have lots of questions. So <laughs> since we haven't had any exhibition games and we don't know they had a scrimmage against themselves, but we only saw a couple of pictures on the Twitter. And maybe <laughs> they maybe they played the Flyboys, maybe they didn't. Who's to say? 
I'm, um, I'm, not, I'm not to say. I, I, when I, when I, I turn the game, when I turn the game on Wednesday night, what is going to be the biggest difference from last year to this year that anyone will be able to recognize? I, I, would you like me to go first? I would, yeah, sure. Yes. Uh, I think it'll be pressure. It'll be the press. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that they had a team to really do it last year, especially if you've got Jaron and vote on the floor at the same time. Uh, you're just not dealing with enough coverage, enough foot speed to really pressure. Um, is this like a uh, 40 minutes of hell, Nolan Richardson style pressure? Is this a make you uncomfortable bringing the ball up the floor? Is it something in between? I think we'll see different um, forms of pressure depending on game situation, depending on you know how they're looking to play that particular game, that particular matchup. If they can, if they think they can heat somebody up, I think they're going to try to heat them up. I mean, and you've got especially with Mikey and Micah and David, you've got three and Keith is is limitless energy guy. You've got three, four, five guys that I think you're really going to be able to use to heat people up. Um, yeah. I, I think that is going to be what is substantially different from last year because I just don't think we saw it when they had to use it. Uh, we didn't see it when, when I think John wanted to use it, which is most of the time. But I think you'll see a couple combinations. I think you'll see you know, that three-quarter court where it's token pressure and then I think you'll see, you know, see some of them just coming right at you if they don't think you can take care of the ball. Yeah, that's what that's what Micah did well last year was just, you know, Heat harassing. Up. Yeah, yeah, harassing the the ball handler as he brought the ball at the court. But I think another thing that you'll see, I I truly do think that this is a better shooting team, top to bottom. You don't have a, a dead eye, you know, Javen Cumberland, but Javen also didn't really have that. That, that crazy level of defense either. So, you know, I think that the shooting overall is going to be better. I think the confidence level for both Micah and Zach Harvey will be taken to the next level. I think that it's going to be a, a lot of spacing. I mean, you look at this, at, at the different lineups that can go out on the court. If you take away Chris Vogt, pretty much everyone on this team that will be getting minutes can shoot the ball. I, I think Mikey Saunders' shooting has gotten better he was playing off ball last year in, in high school and his his shot was improving. I I think overall, as a whole team, you're gonna see a lot more space and a lot more shooting. And you look at Tari Eason in that short little clip of the of the inter-squad scrimmage, he knocked down three three-pointers and they looked in rhythm. His shot looked nice. I mean, it was yes, sure, it is highlights. Don't get me wrong, it's highlights, but still, you're seeing Tari Eason step out and, and knock down three threes. They were also completely overall. uncontested. Well, one of them, Mamadou, was right there. Shoot or shoot. So they were all uncontested. Yeah. But Shooter, <laughs> Shooters do shoot, but they shoot a much higher clip when there's nobody around. I understand, but still, it looked good. It looked good. If yeah, you got he, your backup four coming well. in. Yeah, if you have your backup four coming in and knocking down threes, I mean, give or take. Okay, so that kind of leads me to my next question. Brent touched on it a little bit. What is an area that you guys think will be improved at from last year? And what is an area that I'm not going to just say worse, but that 
initially you don't feel as good about and the success on the team probably relies on that improving as the season goes on. Brent? Um, I, I think it's going to be end of game situations. Uh, obviously it's, it's more of a, you don't have Jaron Cumberland. This is where the Jaron Cumberland factor ties in. Last where, ISO. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see more of a drive and kick mentality at the end of games. I mean, are you going to be hoping that uh, an open three from Micah Adams wood splashes in? Are you going to tell David to Julius to go out and, and drive and try and create a bucket? Or are you going to put the ball in Keith Williams hands or play through Chris vote? I think that'll be the, the biggest question mark in the beginning of the season is what to do end game situations when you need, you need to have a quick five point spurt or something along those lines. We've got, we've got a special guest. Oh. Joining us, I, I you know I, I set this up. I didn't want to tease it in the beginning because I didn't, I wasn't for sure what when he was going to make it. But I know there's a lot of people that didn't want to hear a Bearcat Journal basketball roundtable discussion without the words of Justin Berg. Justin, live from Atlanta, we've got uh, we've got Indy, we've got Florida, we've got uh, Batavia, we've got Independence, Kentucky. Now we've got Atlanta in the mix. We Five are uh, we are we are nationwide. Five states. <laughs> Justin Berg, welcome to the show. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. How y'all feeling? Great, Doing good. Berg. Great. How are you? Doing well. So I haven't heard the first half hour of y'all's conversation. Here we're saying y'all. I've been in Atlanta for like a month. <laughs> um, but I, I want to know how much have you talked about Zach Harvey yet? Not a ton yet. You you want you want the Zach Harvey to nod to start off? Fire away. Is he a three yeah. creamer? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, he was in high school. We'll see if he is. <laughs> he uh, he was. Isn't he the only top fifty kid on the team? Uh, Tari was really close on rivals, um, but yeah, yeah. Okay. I just feel like if he's the only top fifty kid, you'd think that he'd get a little more uh, run as far as discussion before this season I know he didn't play a whole lot last year and he's behind but I just I'm I'm just really interested to see where he fits in like I said I think John is too yeah because he's he could just be a he could be a year away and he's gonna have to wait behind Keith or he could be a, a top 50 kid that's really good and he has to play and you and you have a little bit bigger you know backcourt with uh with with those two guards the two six five kids to go with the Julius so I just I I just want, I just, I don't know if you've heard anything along the way of, of his progression this year. Is he look different? Is he healthier? I know you don't get well, a whole lot of information. <laughs> uh, the problem with, with Zach has been, he's been banged up. I think going into the middle of last week, coming, well, coming out of last weekend, coming out of the, the scrimmage that Lisa Brandon uh, posted on Twitter, uh, I think that was his third or fourth practice the entire off season. Oh no. So the reason you haven't heard much about him is because he hasn't, uh, hasn't been on the floor. Mm. So um, I think for, for him, there's going to be a curve because you know how John is about conditioning. You know how he is about guys that getting their stamina up to where he wants it to be. Um, I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for Zach initially. <clears throat> and I, I, I don't think John knows exactly where he fits right now until he gets him back out on the court for a little bit more 
uh, of an extended run to see what he's ready to handle. Because there's no question he's, he, his talent level is, is very high. Um, and it, his thing is always, you know, he's kind of a guy that can do everything. Um, but he doesn't do anything, one thing really well. So I think you're 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 setting yourself back there by missing as much time as he has. Um, hopefully, they're able to get him, you know, up to speed as quickly as possible because they need him rotation wise. Yeah, it seems like he's going to be somewhat redundant for what Keith will bring, and then even what some of the players no, necessarily. Will bring. Well, I, I feel like he's a guy that can handle the ball. Um, he can make some decisions and things like that with a skill level that he yeah. has. And obviously we saw what he can do in the open floor. He, he made some strides defensively last season, but yeah, I just, I just thought when I was looking at the whole roster, I had no idea he was hurt this much. That's a shame because I, it would be nice to have your full stable for the second game of the season. <laughs> first, first game of the season. Yeah. The, 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 there wasn't, there wasn't any other, nobody, else, nobody's played anybody yet, Berg. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> Dave, you got any questions for Berg? Dave's firing off questions today. I'm not going to let you five, you come in here and do what Berg used to do on the old BCJ podcast. And I'd want to get Berg's opinion on things. And he would just ask me questions for an hour. <laughs> so Dave, ask Berg a question. Okay, Berg, question to you first and then the group. We've seen with everything that's happened with COVID and the stopping and starting of practice and games and cancellations and everything, how important experience and veteran players are to the teams that are at the top in college football. Do you see it being the same this year in college basketball? And how do you think that affects UC with such a big roster turnover? I don't think it really matters much in college basketball at this point in time in our lives when you got guys like Jalen Suggs coming, I mean, there's just so many really good freshmen and sophomores in college basketball. Now, um, overall, it definitely bodes well when you have some, some upperclassmen that you can rely on and you know what you have going in there. So I think from that standpoint, having Keith Williams and Chris Vogt and then bringing in some guys uh, up from the transfer portal, like the Julius and even Oscus, I mean, that gives you, that's four upperclassmen right there in your starting lineup. So I think that's going to bode well for UC. Now on the flip side of that, when you look at the rest of their team is pretty much unproven underclassmen. And it's going to be, you know, Brandon's got his work cut out for him to try to figure out what the rotations will be and who he can trust, which obviously if you're going into the season and you have some big games in the first two, three weeks of the season, and you don't necessarily know like um, what your crunch time five is going to be and, who's going to be the, the one with the ball in their hands and all that, then yeah, it, it can be a, a detriment to you. Brett. Anyone else? Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. I, uh, I think pretty much what Burke said, uh, I think it's good to get, get the team online with, with, you know, just making sure that everyone's on the same page early in the season. It's, it's really good to have that senior leadership, but there are so many just young players all across the nation that are just, just high talent. And in college basketball, yes, having the upperclassmen on the team can definitely help you in certain situations, but overall talent wins out. 
it, it, we see it every year. It's the teams that have, you know, the stud freshmen and, and a couple of really good sophomores and then one or two upperclassmen that kind of get a big, big you know, tip of the cap because they were there and, and the leaders of the team. But overall, I think it's good right now to just make sure everyone stays on the right path and, and doesn't go out partying, doesn't do things outside of basketball to make sure that you're focused on, on staying healthy and staying with the team. But aside from that, it's it's going to be more about just who's going to be playing the best at the best time. Aaron, I was gonna, I was waiting for the question there. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, uh, I guess I'm I'm more curious how how long you think uh, it's going to take for guys like the Julius guys for Ivanowskis, um, and even all the incoming freshmen to adjust to the system and what kind of transition period we're going to go from. Um, just kind of figuring it out to where the team's kind of firing where Brandon wants them. Great question. Yeah. I agree with that because especially how important to Julius is going to be, you know, with a new point guard. And I know last year um, there was another point guard wearing that same number that uh, might not have been quite as good as David DeJulius. It's <laughs> <laughs> somewhat of an upgrade uh, from what I can tell. But, um, yeah, that, I, I would say out of anything this whole season, that's the one player that I feel like can, can really uh, dictate how good this team will be, especially, like you said, how quickly can he, you know, adjust to what Brandon wants to do and playing with all new guys. Right. Think my big thing with Julius is, is going to be how quickly can he adjust to being a full-time point guard because that wasn't what he was asked to do at Michigan. He was asked to – uh, to spell Xavier Simpson, um, or Zay, uh, I think he ended up, he, he, he started at Xavier Z. and then Xavier, uh, Xavier and uh, Xavier. Um, <laughs> but he was playing mostly alongside him, uh, as opposed to, you know, playing a lot of true point guard. So I think it will be interesting to see how much, um, how much time it takes for him to fully, you know, flip that switch to, to being a point guard, uh, being asked to do point guard things uh, as opposed to being kind of an off ball uh, scoring guy off the bench. So, I mean, I think you guys are both right in the fact that how long it takes him to get up to speed uh, will define a lot of what happens between now and, you know, January, because I think you would expect, you know, you get him six weeks that, that he should be able to be there. Uh, but, you know, how long does it take to get there? The other part about, and if you look at even Nowskis at the four spot, right? Because in Brandon's offense, a lot of times he runs stuff, you know, through that trail man, the four. Um, you can do pick and pops and, and just different actions with, with other guys besides the point guard. So you have two, two players there that could actually play a huge role in, in a lot of decisions being made when they're in the half court that haven't played with these guys, but they are veteran veteran guys that have a lot of talent. So you'd rather have that. Yes. Having talent is more important than not having talent. <laughs> that's, that's why I used to pay you the big bucks bird. <laughs> Dave, you got any more questions? Yeah. Since you guys men talked uh, about the, you know, couple transfers, I'd say, I'd ask what are realistic expectations for the transfers? Because, it's it's the thing that Chad and I joke about a lot uh, that it seems that 
almost every school initially thinks their transfers are going to come in and, and elevate their play versus what you see most of the time as they struggle. In this case, you have one from Michigan who you see Michigan same level. It's not like a coming from a lower level up situation. Um, but just, you know, what should fans ex- kind of expect initially and where do you think they can really impact the team the most? We talked a lot about the Julius, maybe talk a little bit more about uh, Ivanowskis in this sense. Well, with, with Rapolis, I think with his skill level and being able to score the ball, I think you would expect that he can get you somewhere near in the neighborhood of the points that, that Trayvon Scott averaged last year. I know Trayvon was huge down the stretch, but I mean, he was really for the most of the year, what, like a 10 to 12, 13 point score. Yeah. And um, I think on the defensive end is where you're going to lose quite a bit on in that, in that regard from what, what Trey brought you. So I think a lot and of on the things, glass. Yeah. on the glass too. So I think, a lot of this stuff, like looking at both these guys, you're looking at, well, what can they do for the offense? But even the Julius, too. I mean, he's a little guy. I don't know that he's going to be any kind of a defensive stopper out there. So now all of a sudden, you know, what's, what's going to happen to the defense with these guys playing heavy minutes? So I think expectation-wise would be that, that you're going to get – I mean, you know, I would think the Julius will shoot better than 16% from three. I think that's a fair expectation. Um, and uh, – <laughs> God – Help us if he doesn't. <laughs> and then, and, I, and I, like I said, I think I think I think Rap will get you around the same points as as Trayvon um, throughout the course of the season. It's just going to be, you know, who's going to be able to if you have Rap and and Vote playing at the same time. I mean, teams could could really uh, get them in some serious trouble on, on you know some ISOs and some high ball screens and stuff. So I'd be more concerned about what is what kind of defense is Brandon going to play when those two guys are on the floor and. and I know it's not necessarily an expectation thing, but I, I now that I'm talking myself through it, I really hadn't considered that part of it enough. I don't think. Um, so I think expectation-wise, like yeah, more offense and probably a drop off on defense. I think the interesting thing with go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say uh, the, I have another question too. If we're moving on. No, I was gonna I was gonna add to that for quickly. Go ahead. Is that is that all right? You, it's your show, man. <laughs> um. <laughs> The, the, the thing that's going to be interesting for me with rap is, is Tari's development. Because if you start to see, and let's just say again, hypothetically, there was a game that didn't happen last week. Hypothetically, I believe that, that a freshman from the West Coast would have played really well uh, and maybe been the best player on the floor if that game did happen. Now, I'm not saying it did. I'm just saying, you know, we're not, we're not keeping super secrets from anybody. Should I turn but, cold water on right now on the shower? So <laughs> the, shower? the interesting yes. thing for yes. me is, is, is going to be if Tari's ready, um, if he is ready to come in and make an impact right away at, the, at this level. Um, do you try to maybe find rap some minutes at the five? Like, do you, how do you, cause John is a guy that, that we have, that we have saw in Northern, we saw in Northern Kentucky. We saw last year. If he feels like there's a need to shift some things around, he will shift some things around and rap is a guy. I think you want on the floor. So is Chris vote. So is Mama do. 
But if you've got a, a kid in, in Tari that might be, you know, the NBA guy on your roster long-term to, to use Brent, uh, Brent's hype machine for Tari. Um, <laughs> if, if, if that guy's doing those type of things, you got to find a way to get that guy on the floor. So, I mean, I, I think that will be interesting to see develop as, is if Tari is ready, how does that adjust those four guys down low? Aaron, you got a question? Um, I was going to say, we got kind of used to seeing Jeremiah Davenport come up off the bench last year and kind of uh, like the Logan hype man, um, get everybody energized for all of like three minutes before you go back to the bench until we see you do this again next game. Um, and after his injury, uh, any shot that you think he cracks the uh, the rotation again um, in any type of way, or is he still just maybe a year removed still? Berg? It's hard to see where he'd fit in. Right. I mean, when you have four post players like that, that all – I mean, they all are going to warrant minutes. And then when you have, you know, Keith at the – I guess kind of at the three. The two – I mean, the two three is kind of the same. Yeah, I know. Okay, anymore. well, in the backcourt. I mean, you the, got, you the got, wings. Yeah, because when you have – when you have, I just – he may be the odd man out, especially if if one of the freshmen – um, take some take some minutes that you ha- like if if if, if Saunders earns some time or if uh, either of the, the Madsen twins like you got to get one of them on the floor a little bit 10 15 minutes all of a sudden there's just like wh- where's the minutes for Davenport maybe he's just a guy that's going to be a situation where if there's foul trouble then he can help but I don't know that he'd be in a regular spot especially against a, a quality opponent is there any word on his injury right now like he's practicing how, how, how so. he's come back okay it should be fine would be my assumption I could see him being used kind of like we saw him last year. If they're, if they're a little flat, you know, eight minutes into a ball game, um, you try to have him come in and, and get your energy back up and provide a spark. Um, Rally troops. Yeah. I mean, it, look, I mean, we just talked about rap and, and Tari, if those two are good at the four, what, where's the minutes for Davenport come? Because I just don't see him on the wing yet. Right. Um, and and if if it's not at the four, where where do you find him minutes this year? So I I, I think that's going to be it's going to be a challenge. He's going to have to play well. Is what he's going to have to really practice well and play well. I'm just trying to ask questions I expect to see on the boards anyway. So <laughs> that was Let a good me bring question. something up. Let me bring something up with the with the front court real quick. So at the end of last season, down the stretch, Mamadou closed the game at the five. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, so what does that mean for this year? If, if you're if all signs point to vote starting still and, you know, and then, and then like you have even now, and then you talking about Eason being in the mix. Um, I think you're looking at what I look at is like, what's the crunch time lineup going to be when you need to get stops and you need to either hold a lead or, you know, find a way back into a game and the way that Mamadou played down the stretch. I mean, he warrants a look as, as that guy at the five. You also don't have a Chris Vote labrum tear. Yeah. Starting I don't know if you caught off. that part, but but Vote played with a torn labrum, which generally means you can't lift your arm up above your shoulder, which is kind of tough for a guy that needs to use his size to impact games at the rim. Um, well, but, but Mamadou offers the, the ability to get out on the perimeter where he wouldn't give you that. So if you're looking at in today's game, you need to have a versatile big that can protect the rim and guard the perimeter, I think, if you're going to have your best defensive lineup, regardless of any labrum tears. It's going to be interesting because they they do bring two totally different styles of play. Yeah, I 
I think votes votes you know pick pick and roll defense was really where he was struggling last year, and that was when Mamadou came in at the end of that USF game. Mamadou was an absolute beast protecting the rim on the pick and rolls and and different things of that sort. So I'm kind of with Berg on that as well, where it it needs to be figured out if the labrum really has that much to do with his ability to to follow and, and, and trail and, and block shots or contest shots at the rim. Cause he did do really, really well in the Houston game at fifth third arena at just negating any drive that, that the Cougars had going towards the basket. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think, you know, mama do now daddy do he, if, if he continues to progress the way that everyone has been saying or, or alluding to him progressing, then I think you have to find the minutes, but you know, John also said in his most recent press conference that if it came down to crunch time and we needed some buckets, he would. He said it would be hard to not go through Chris Vote and Keith Williams. So I don't know if that's alluding to some sort of a way that he would play it or if it would be more game situational. But, yeah, I think Mamadou well, definitely deserves a look. It has been made very clear to me multiple times over the past six weeks the two best players on this team are Keith Williams and Chris vote. And if that's the case, I expect to see Chris vote on the floor uh, at the end of games. So well, I'm sure he will. It, it, it could be some offense defense stuff. It could be. Right. Um, I, I, I have, a, I do have a question for you though. Did you get a chance to watch the last zoom uh, with the players? Justin You're talking to me. Yeah. All I yeah. saw was the one that had, had uh rap and, and to Julius. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you hear rap did you hear rap state that uh Mamadou is the toughest, most physical guy on the team? And what was your <laughs> reaction when he said that? <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe he is now. Maybe he is. Maybe he had a hypnotherapist in the offseason. Dad like, strength. Yeah. Dad strength. That's what it is. <laughs> it could be. You do get a lot stronger when you become a parent, no doubt. Dave, Dave, how did that comment make you feel? Uh, Even if you just heard it for the first time. Concerned about the rest of the roster. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look at the rest of the roster. I mean, it's kind of... eh, It it might not be off base. (laughs) There's not a lot of gangsters, not a lot of tough guys on the court. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Appropriate was shootout week. I had to sneak that in Yes. Right. Aaron, Aaron, do you have more questions? Dave, Aaron, questions? Uh, Oh, I got got plenty more. I've... I have one question for Berg. One. Nobody so, brought you here to ask questions. <laughs> okay. okay. But, but, hey, we are both a big fan of the slam. But you're going to anyway. Slam. We are both a big fan of the slam dunk, Mr. JB. I want you to take away Keith Williams out of the equation. Who are you most excited to see flush them down this year? Got to be Tari. Right. I mean, he's been called an athletic freak. He's 6'8". He's like the he's like what the NBA wants right now, right? Like he's a six eight yeah. guy that can shoot threes and defend multiple positions with guard skills. But yeah, I mean, just from his highlight reels, um, I, I kind of want to see what Gabe Matson if he can pop one down though. That, I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's six six, and you know they said he's got some moves t- towards the rim. I mean, let's see if he can flush one on somebody. Can Saunders fly? Saunders can fly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. But, I thought I'd seen. I mean, Madison is like the quintessential coach's kid, gym rat, quicker no, than he is. Fast. That's Mason. That's Mason, not Gabe. Well, I mean, but let's be honest, it's both of them. No, it's not actually. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's not. They are not similar at all. 
No, I'm just saying like they'll both get that treatment until yeah you know, I'm just saying the way see. the way that they play they they do not, they could not possibly play more right the one's dad called him an asshole he is an <laughs> asshole so I mean he's automatically <laughs> my favorite player on the team because that's like something my dad would say about me Gabe or Mason Mason Mason, Mason. oh good. which one yeah, has the need, hair yeah we need one Gabe has, Gabe the, has hair. the hair. All right. So, so, so the first, I'm the first breakaway some, dunk. Some, I'm wanting to see some, some, some white chocolate dunks. Hey, the <laughs> the first breakaway flush by Gabe Matson will erupt everyone that is at whatever watch party. All I the, guess all the parents, <laughs> all, the, all the parents, and, uh, and everyone you know, in the crowd, support staff there will go crazy. <laughs> all thirteen. Uh, <laughs> 13 people in the crowd. Oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, Gabe's got some hops. Uh, yeah. I mean, Gabe's got some hops. Mason does too, but he's he's obviously three, four inches shorter than Gabe. So uh, it doesn't look as uh, as flashy. But Gabe, Gabe's got a little a little sauce to his game. Mason's got a little Mason's the 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 thing that stirs the sauce. Uh, what did he get? Like four or five technicals this senior year? Got kicked what out of the game. Yep. We need we need him to to progress and be an integral part of the team, so opposing fans can hate his guts. Well, we need, um, we need one. We need those guys to continue on. Like we've always had them recently, and we need we need another one. From what I've heard, Mason is probably more ready to contribute early than Gabe, which isn't really a sp- yeah, surprise. Mason, better defender, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where Gabe is more a long-term, he's going to be really good as his career develops. Uh, mm-hmm. Mason is probably more ready to come in and be an irritant uh, early couple, in his a career. a couple minutes a half and maybe get a couple steals, cause some Foul somebody hard, talk yeah. some shit. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. That's Sorry, it's Dave's type of guy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I don't even, do we even need to do the Sorry Dan anymore? Like, over the past month, these <laughs> things have devolved into that, uh, that kind language. of went out the out the window after the UCF the after dark. Game. Yeah, the after dark show kind of ruined our. It was all, uh, it was all Aaron's fault. <laughs> oh, no, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> I was hammered though. All right, so I have a I have a schedule question for you guys. What, given that we don't know exactly what's going to happen, we see teams pausing and canceling games. Let's just hypothetically speaking as a season preview podcast what what constitutes a good non-conference record and what constitutes uh, a concern for you guys heading into conference play Brent, they, have more than, if they have more than one loss in the non-conference it'll be bad yeah 100 percent. yeah i think uh so you, three and two is bad four and one is acceptable yes that's where you're at Five and zero, five and zero. You have the league they're in. The league they're in. You got to. You can't. You, I mean, limited chances you have in non-conference. You got to do something. Right. From what I've seen out of Xavier, they they struggle with ball pressure. Um, You've watched them. Leave. <laughs> no, you, I know yes. you're, do, you're, you're yes. doing the scouting report. See, I don't I don't do those but, anymore. So I actually can get away with never watching them. Good. It's fine. Good. <laughs> I mean, it's been fun watching them almost lose to Toledo and and schools of that sort recently. Bradley, but, yeah, you know, Bradley, and then, but you can go to Tennessee. Dave's gonna love this, and and the Volunteers somehow 
you know, if, if they pull out that game, you can start to say, hey, this is this is a doggone good team. But other than that, I don't think Georgia's very good. And I think you got to win those three at home to begin. So yeah, I'm 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 three and two, you're kind of dag. Four and one, you're you're okay with it. Aaron? I was just gonna say, assuming they get all five games in, um, I think anything less than four games, you're worried about what that out of conference looks like. Just and just not even necessarily wins, but just playing less than four games. Because um, if you're only winning, you know, two or three of, of four at that point, then you're talking in an entirely different conversation. Well, I mean, I guess here's the problem with with expectations. Tennessee, they're they're it's going to be very difficult to beat Tennessee at Tennessee, especially after you smacked them in the face a year ago. We're getting very yeah. lucky though that we'll have played three games and they, this will be their first game. And they will be coming off a, a two week pause. Um, there is, and their coach is Rick Barnes still, I believe, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, correct. So you always have a chance that the other coach is Rick Barnes, no matter what he has on his team. I like it. Anywho, <laughs> you're you're probably going to lose that game. Probably, Bird thinks they're going to win that game. Um, so that means you got to be perfect. The other four, you got to go four and zero, in order to just meet expectations. I think. Three and two would probably be the baseline for expectations. If you go four and one, really good. But this is why you schedule the metrics as well. Yeah. You're looking at, you know, Lipscomb is not going to be a quality game, but you're getting a quad two in Xavier. You're getting a quad two in um, Georgia. Georgia, or no, Tennessee. Furman. No, Furman, sorry. Furman, you're getting a quad two. Tennessee, you're getting a quad one road game. And Georgia, you're probably getting a quad two road game. Like that's the reason you schedule why you do. So if you do happen to go three and two, it doesn't torpedo uh, what you're what you're trying to Here. accomplish. Well, I, I just think big picture, we're not looking to just stand pat and do what we, you know, you know like. But you're looking at a you, team with seven new players. I don't care. I mean, you gotta I, you gotta win you, four Bird. of these five. I mean, if you if you really want to be a, taken seriously, I mean, I keep going back to this. But if you want to take the next step as a program, you got to beat some teams you're not supposed to beat. And so going four and one, I mean, that's at least considering that you beat the teams you are supposed to beat, unless you think that Georgia will be favored for whatever reason. And if you lose to Tennessee, as long as you play them tough, whatever. But if you want to take these steps, you got to beat Tennessee, man. There's just no other way around it. And that's not even talking conference schedule where you start bringing up teams like Houston, like Memphis. Well, that's the other thing is conference games start in the middle of just like we're we're two weeks, two and a half weeks from conference games starting as well. So in the middle of these five non-conference games, you've got a couple conference games that that pop up on you. Uh, like I've had people ask me about Richmond. The problem with the Richmond series was it fell in that window of, hey, you have to set these these days aside to potentially play conference games. Uh, and that's why the Richmond series kind of fell by the wayside, which um, they were a lot of fun to watch yesterday. Yeah, they were. They were. Which I, is, I thought which you'd is... enjoy that one more, Berg. Did didn't you not see it. that? No. They, I know they, what happened. I just didn't see they it. They beat the hell out of Kentucky. That wasn't even – they were up double digits almost the entire time. Good. I love when Kentucky loses almost <laughs> as much as when Xavier loses. Yeah. Um, all right. You got anything else you want to talk about, Berg? You've been here for a half hour. I don't want to keep you too long. I know. 
I just have one stuff. thing that this is this is just a big picture thing I'm going to throw out there. We don't need to get into a big long discussion about it. It's just something that popped into my head. I think that John Brandon has a chance to build the Gonzaga of the Midwest at Cincinnati. And I think that is the path to getting Cincinnati back to that top 20, top 15, top 10 area rankings on a perennial level. And that is by selling players on how to develop their, their skills. And that is how he's getting guys like the Julius and Ivanowskis and, and some of these other recruits. That's what Mark Few does. I mean, how is he getting all these quality international players? And now you see, oh, look, here's a guy from Russia. And here's a guy from, you know, all these. I think that that could be the path because you're not going to be able to get these five stars that are going to go to all the big conferences and stuff. You got to find that, that, that kind of niche of like, Hey, we got this international guy and we sold him on this. I was just thinking in my head, like, that's, that's probably the way that this is going to happen. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that's interesting about Gonzaga that I, I don't think people realize they have an assistant that they never see. One of their three bench assistants is generally in Europe, like, 11 months out of the year, which is why they've been able to build that presence over there because they literally have a guy that just travels Europe watching players uh, nonstop. So um, that is one way that they've really uh, embraced that. The other way is, is what we've seen from John here. And and I wonder how much it's, it's going to be a focus going forward as he figures out how difficult it is to recruit to the American is hitting the transfer market as hard as possible. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I th- All right. I think you gotta do, get do your thing, brother. All right. Thanks for having me, y'all. No, thanks for being on, brother. I know that the members appreciate it and they love hearing from you. And uh, stay safe down there and hope your wife gets to feeling better here soon, brother. All right. Appreciate it. Go love back, you, brother. Yep. See you, Berg. See y'all. All right. Justin Berg. A surprise half hour from Bergie Knights here on the BCJ podcast crossover with the BBP and uh for those that don't know Berg's wife had uh had an accident fell down the steps in her house and she is in a rehab facility in Atlanta um she has feeling in, in her feelings coming back in her fingers and toes and is starting to regain a little bit of mobility she has a long road ahead of her so uh so if you can keep Berg in your thoughts and prayers uh they are they are fighting hard and they are good people and I know uh, you guys love Berg as much as I do. So it was good to hear from him tonight. Uh, I didn't know if I, if, if he was going to be able to make that happen, but I'm glad he did. It's much better than, than Dave asking questions. Dave, you got any questions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the conference. We know about Houston. I think there's, Boy, a they lot of, good. there's a lot of questions about pretty much everybody else. Is uh, you, well, go, go ahead. ahead. If you no. if you disagree, no, I think there's a lot of questions about Memphis. I think there's a lot. Like obviously today, there's more questions than there were yesterday about SMU. Tyson Jolly opting out is a big time blow for for that team wanting to to jump up into the top, back into the top of the standings. Mm-hmm. So go ahead with the rest, knowing all of that, is you see. Do you think UC is closer to second or let's say fifth? I would say second. 
closer yeah. to second than fifth because I don't think they're far behind Memphis or SMU per se. I think they're pretty even with with Memphis and SMU. Um, that would I mean fifth. Who who are, who are we who are we saying is fifth? No, I'm just saying like no no I'm saying who are we like that's oh I, I would say closer to second because I don't know who we're even saying South fifth. Florida and they didn't look great. Yeah, if it's South Florida, then they're definitely closer to second than fifth. No question. Right. I mean, yeah, to be honest with you, it's it's kind of been a little disheartening how rough the conference has been so far this early in the season. I mean, I mean it's standard. That's what they yeah. do. I mean, Memphis looked bad <laughs> at times. Okay, guess. here's my here's my question off of that. For 100 bucks right now, is this a one-bid league or three-bid league? Aaron, you, you, like, to, you like to gamble. I, <laughs> I mean, okay, what, are we setting the over? What are we setting the over at? I'm just saying, like, wh- two? What do, you, what, what do you think has a better chance of happening? Two and a half. One-bid or three? That's where I was going to say. I think we're a solid two. So I, I think I'd probably go for three more than than one being a better chance of happening because I think I think you still have two in because I think Houston's going to get in one way or the other and I don't know that Houston actually ends up being the team that wins the the conference because UC's got a way of finding their way in on that conference championship and stealing it out from whoever's got the target in sight. I mean, but what 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 won the conference last year? Twelve and six. Yeah, where the two teams three-way tie, twelve six. Like that was. I I I don't don't see any way this Houston team loses more than three games in the conference. I don't either. I don't either. Right now, I mean, they're so long. This might be the longest I've seen them look, and they're always super long and athletic. Um, You bring back virtually everybody that contributed last year, when when the other contenders all lose integral pieces. I mean, they lost Nate Hinton, which was an important piece, but they seemingly replaced him with Tremont Mack. They weren't even starting their best player. They still got the guy who bit our ear, right? Yeah, Dajon. Oh, yeah. Dajon's still there. Still there. (laughs) Um, I would say three more likely than one, mainly because I think they get two. (laughs) That was my reasoning. Yeah, um, and Dave, you stepped on Aaron's joke about Houston's length being offset by their shorts. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate you. Oh, I miss the 90s. <laughs> um, I, the, the thing, I, I guess the hard part is we don't know what selection is going to look like. Like, what is the right. criteria for a team getting in? I mean, we're seeing um, it in football, like – is a what if a really good team has two weeks knocked out in January, in the beginning of January, and then another two weeks not not maybe from no fault of their own, and then another two weeks knocked out at the end of February, and you have a top ten team that hasn't played possibly four to six conference games. Yeah, I mean, we like. I was talking to somebody in and around the program today, they asked me what success is for this season. I said, getting, getting 16, 17 games in is probably successful for this season. And they said they would take the under, you know, I, I, 
Well, I mean, it's no, it, no. here's what here's it's what reality. really annoys here's what really annoys me and pisses me off. There were plenty of ways to set yourself up to not be in this situation. Plenty yeah. of ways to set yourself up. You extend the conference schedule. You know, you 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 say, look, if you're going to get your your non-conference games in, you get them in before December 15th. And then from December 15th until whenever the conference tournament starts, I would even push the conference tournament back a week or two. And you say, we're giving ourselves, you know, this is we're seeing this in football where they didn't allow for enough wiggle room. They didn't allow for enough, you know, well, this, this happened. So we, here's, we've got this why, week built in. Why to make this are, up. In, like you said, in football and in basketball, why are they tied? I mean, I understand somewhat in basketball because of a trademark, but why are you tied so much to a date on the calendar? Shouldn't it be about getting the most games in like, Basketball has to get this done because of March Madness. Like, it's not like no, we don't care if we only if we only play ten to fifteen games. We have to have the tournament in March. That seems so TV revenue. You can't. You, can't you can still have the yeah. tournament in yeah, April. But, yeah, but the, the the TV partners aren't going to sacrifice inventory. Inventory is the name of the game. Why would they have to sacrifice inventory? You'd still you'd be playing still playing the same amount of games. It'd just take longer. Yeah, that's my that's that's been my point of why don't why didn't you schedule in more opportunity to backfill, more opportunity to, you know, if 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 you have two weeks wiped out, they've got you know in conference play they have two built-in like you know they have a bye week where they don't have a game uh, either on a, a weekend or they don't have a game during the week, uh, and they have essentially a week off. They only have two of those built in. If if one person on your team test positive you're shut down for two weeks mm-hmm. and you didn't build you didn't build in any wiggle room that, those things are going to happen it is inevitable look at what we've already seen not just with football but also with basketball and basketball is a whole different animal because football you can have 10 15 guys out and you can still go play and basketball because of the nature of basketball being indoors i've tried to explain this to people and they they just they don't want to listen to the reality of it. In basketball, if you have one guy out, unless you're doing like the thing, Gonzaga's, Gonzaga's doing like where they're traveling in two separate groups, they're basically traveling like the guys that matter and the guys that don't. And the guys mm-hmm. that don't matter are on their own plane, they're on their own bus, they're in their own section of the hotel, and they basically are told to stay the the bleep away from the guys that matter. So when one of those guys tested positive even though he was on video in the locker room jumping around uh, six inches from his teammates and Mark Few, they were able to continue playing games. Um, unless you're going to go that route, and that's that's a lot of money to, to be able to travel your team separately. Um, I just don't get why they're you – know, they watched football screw this up, and basketball said, hold my beer. Well, I mean, like, yeah. I don't – You could have done – get it. You could have done, like – I feel Uh-oh. like you could have done these little mini bubbles. Oh man, you're okay. You're good. You're good. Right. You're back. 
I was going to say, I think you could have done these little mini bubbles and kind of looked at what the NBA did. And, but we're so sold on the money and trying to make sure that well, we squeeze whatever we can out of these home games, but you could have done like three or four teams there for a weekend on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and just played like, not even like a little tournament or anything, but just like get your games in against these other three teams and then onto the next little mini bubble and try to get in what you can while you're there. The problem we're seeing there is when one team comes into that mini bubble and has a positive, then they infect the bubble. And then yeah. all of those teams are, are put well, at Chicago. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's the problem with the bubble thing is the NBA has a whole bunch of money. And even the NBA said, you know what? Even with all the money we have, eight of you, eight teams are out. We're not paying for you to come play in our bubble. You're out. Like, I, I think people forget that reality that they whacked eight teams out. Like you guys just stay home. Like we don't, we don't, the, the adults are, the, we're at the adult table here and you guys that aren't any good, like you're out. And that cost what a couple billion dollars to do the NBA bubble. Now they were there for a long time. Um, but that's the only way a bubble actually works is, quarantining for 14 days before you enter then when you enter you're tested at like these things aren't happening in college basketball so you're still gonna have and we're still seeing it teams are at these bubbles and all of a sudden somebody popped positive that team's out new team bussing in introducing wherever they were into the bubble like it just <clears throat> it, it sounds great in theory but we're seeing it work to some extent uh, with these MTEs, and I think UC wanted to be like they had three different MTEs that they were trying to be a part of. They had the preseason in IT. They had the Utah State Loyola bubble that they tried to to be a part of, and then they had the one in Indianapolis with Loyola and Duquesne, mm-hmm. and all of those fell apart. Like they tried to make those happen. They wanted to be playing games. They wanted to have two games in already going into to Wednesday's tip off, but none of it materialized. And and that's going to be the case for some people, um, you know, and then you decide, did John want to be a guy that was chasing around games? Well, the reason he doesn't, I think is because, and this, this could backfire is because he wants to buy the metrics, know what he is dealing with. He wants, they've got a formula. They want to follow the formula. He's pretty comfortable, I think, with the way that it's set up. Like I talked about earlier, the quad one and quad two games, four out of the five non-conference games. The problem becomes if there's positives and, and if you have to shut down or if the team, has, the other team, the opponent has to shut down, now you're in the middle of December and bubbles aren't going on. You know, these, these MTE bubbles are not going on anymore. And it's going to be very difficult to get games. Um, so I just don't like the way that they handled it because I think they're, you know, I, I think they failed to learn from what college football taught them. And they just said, we're going to do this our own way anyway. And it, it doesn't, I don't think it fits. Like, I just don't, I, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong on this, but if they get to 16, 17, 18 games, I, I think that's going to be a good sign. Um, and that's, that means that between now and March, we're going to have seven, eight games canceled. That sucks. That I mean, this sucks. Is, this is a question for 
a much later date. And hopefully it's not a question at all, but like watching what's going on with football, how the hell are you going to have a conference tournament and then turn around four days later and have an NCAA tournament They're not in, in any way, shape or form that anyone is accustomed to it being. They're not. They've right. already talked about they're going to push back. Like you're going to have to allow teams eight to 10 days to quarantine once they get to Indy. Like UC is going to play their final regular season game on say Saturday. Then they're going to go to Dallas or wherever on Wednesday and just start playing the conference tournament. And if they make the NCAA tournament, they're going to just going to turn around and play the, on the next Thursday. Like, that no. defeats the whole purpose yeah. of this whole like not traveling, quarantining, testing idea. Like, right? How is that going to happen? It's not. They've already talked about they're gonna they're gonna bring teams to Indy and isolate them for a, a period of time um, before they start playing games for the NCAA tournament. So that's not going to happen because they. I mean, at least when you get to the NCAA tournament, it's being run by the NCAA as opposed to being run by the conferences and basically by each individual team deciding this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to, you know, okay, well, tolerate just in the, not in the tolerate. conference sense. Like, how's that going to work? Don't know. Don't think it will. I don't like, know. Like, okay. so you, so you play and then you show up in Fort worth and then one of the teams that played the noon game, they test positive. So are they out and the team they played is out? Like, <laughs> And if it's Houston, are they then are they out for the NCAA tournament? Because that turns around and starts playing like Yeah, then they're out two weeks. Yeah. 14 days, yeah. It's gonna be a disaster. This sounds awesome, and I mean that in no way, shape, or form. (laughs) I guess you hope by April that 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 we have uh, decided that college basketball is important enough to uh, direct all whatever uh, available uh, vaccine resources. Yeah, yeah, vaccines. The vaccine there's no the vaccines go to save college basketball. No way. The uh, much like in the state of or in the city of Los Angeles, the the healthcare workers are going to wait. We have college athletes to take care of here. Well, and then yeah. when, when you get to the actual tournament, is it if you somebody po- test positive, the, that team's out? And at yeah, what you're point, out. Well, at what point do you stop doing that? Are you going to do that in the Final Four? I doubt it. You going to do that. that- the team that you lost to is now in the final four. You got to do that. You beat in the elite eight is now in the I final mean, four. Honestly, though, you better do it that way because if some team ends up not making the tournament because the team they the teams they were supposed to play during the regular season, yeah, kept kept getting positive cases and they can't play these games, but they can't make the tournament because they only played eight games. That's no less unfair to them than it would be to. If it happened in the national championship, you, you just lost all your ad revenue, though. That's your fault for, for not setting this thing up better. <laughs> I mean, the difference is in, in football, they, they said, okay, if it happens in the college football playoffs, we're just going to push it back until everyone's healthy again. But in basketball, it's just one or two, and the entire team is down for 14 days. So it's, I don't know if you can just keep pushing it back like that. So I don't know. A lot of questions will go unanswered the way that I look at it. I think it's like I, I have no doubts that it's going to be tenfold the cluster, you know what, that the college football season has been. But worse. Oh, yeah. Because you have like three times the amount of teams involved. So 
I'm still Where waiting. Go? There's gonna there's gonna be a team that doesn't play for a whole month. Yeah. At least because like they get a positive test and they're out two weeks, and then whoever they're supposed to play two weeks later, then they get a positive test. Like Houston. Yeah, in, I mean, in and that's that was it, yeah, and that was I don't think that was actually them at any point in that whole beginning of the season part. No, it wasn't. They had, they had the game postponed against Tulsa last week because of them, but like when they didn't start playing until October, none of that was because of them. It was it was four out of five games, yeah. The the fifth being the most recent one. So you're at a month. That's what conservatively ten games, eight to ten games. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. All right. Where 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 does this team finish in the American Athletic Conference? Second. Three. I say third. I mean, nine, and we also have Houston. We have everybody. Everybody is no, Houston. I have right. no idea. I have to be in the what Memphis. I mean, we've seen the same song and dance from Memphis the past two seasons. I mean, I just without I just, Mike Miller this year. I have to be see. I have to see how seven new guys fit in before I can just like blindly right right say. Oh yeah, everything's fine. Houston is a step above, and we'll just be right there at second. Even though I, I feel that that's a, a very I'm not saying that that's a stupid thing to say. Um, like I want to see who, how this team handles last three minutes of situations without Trey and Jaron. Yep. Uh, who's who's like we talk a lot about offensively, like who takes that big shot. My question is like, who shuts down the other team's best option in an end of game situation, or a last couple minutes where you need, you know, you're you can't be trading baskets. You've got to get two or three straight stops in a row. Like, how does that happen with this group when we've we've been, we felt pretty comfortable, regardless of whether it was mixed teams or even last year, John's teams they got stops at the end of games, right? So, but it was from a guy like Trey who more times than not, got that key rebound, got that, you know, had that defensive play. So there's just a lot of questions in what I think are going to be a lot of close games uh, against the better teams that just need to be answered for me to, like, just totally buy in as they're the second-best team behind uh, Houston. Chad is very excited about something. Xavier is – has a commanding 81 to 80 lead over Eastern Kentucky with 40 seconds left. <laughs> wow. Eastern Kentucky uh, just got a rebound length of the court and one to cut a four point lead to one. Did you guys, you know. did you guys see what, uh, what, what was it? Seth, Seth Davis. Tweets? Final, final four. Good. He's, the, I, he's the worst. He's Xavier the worst. Sharpie. Sharpie. He's the worst. Uh, okay, well, Chad, what do you think then? We Brent said second. Aaron and I have said third. I mean, I'm I'm right on that line. I'm torn between second and third because I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have some of the same problems that we see from Memphis, uh, at least early going on the road, um, adjusting to new roles, trying to figure out rotations, which I think that's, I think that's the biggest challenge for this team right now is figuring out who fits where, who fits with who, uh, probably more than anything. 
You know, are, are you going to have free-flowing rotations? Are you going to have kind of set rotations where, like I talked about, where, you know, Mamadou and, and Rat play together and Chris and Tari play together? Um, who really steps up into that point guard role? I think that's – for me, that's the biggest question. We expect it to be David DeJulius. Right. But we don't know what David DeJulius' full-time point guard looks like. Um, we expect Mikey to get better and to be a factor as the season goes on. But what does Mikey look like the first six weeks of his college career? Um, so I think those are the things. I, I mean, I guess gun to my head right now before I see those things play out. Um, I'll say third, but I still feel pretty good about, you know, being right there with Memphis for second in the league. Sorry. This is this just is kind nuts. of building off what you said earlier though, Dave, I think that you've seen some of those same questions. In Bullshit. The last... Sorry. <laughs> What's happening? What is that? My computer. Sorry. Dave, get it together, Dave. I was just going to say, I think we've had some of those same questions in the last couple of seasons when like Jacob Evans left and Kyle Washington left and Gary Clark left and we didn't know what was going to happen. And then we saw Mick leave and we didn't know what was going to happen. And there's always been some surprises. And last year I think was maybe the biggest surprise where we actually took the conference. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think that we have a way of figuring these things out. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily at the beginning of the season, but as the season wears on, when it means something, we have a, a way of figuring it out and putting it all together and, you know, putting the, a string of some huge wins mid to late season together and, and just kind of ending up where we need to be. So that's my two cents. Chad, update. Xavier's up 83-80, 2.6 seconds left, Eastern Kentucky ball. Eastern just had a wide open look from three to tie it that, that rimmed out. Crosstown shootout. Who you got? Brent, wait, Brent, you want to, what's your, um, your schedule later this week look like? Uh, you know, typical. No, I, right. I don't because I like you're in Florida <laughs> or, um, oh, I'm, I'm in India. You gotta go. I'm in, you gotta go. I'm back. You gotta go. You got to go get the bunion taken off your foot, so you're out that for a happened. couple days. That was that was two weeks ago. We're back. Uh, you got you got a wedding. You got like you have more people getting married than anybody than any girl I've ever known in my life. <laughs> got friends in high places, baby. You know how it is. But no, I mean uh, this weekend. I well, first off, Lipscomb. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a win. But uh, yeah, I mean, if they look, I don't need your prediction on Lipscomb. Because if they don't beat Lipscomb, right, right, I'll be, I'll be honest. So I was, I was really excited after Xavier really took, you know, Oakland to, to town. But ever since then, they kind of been brought back down to life. And I, I mean, you're looking at these close scores against Bradley, Toledo, and EKU. Um, I mean, I don't know how good those three teams are this year, but it kind of just shouts to me like. Xavier is a team that's trying to figure it out. They still have what Jason Carter's starting for them still, and he sucks. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 telling Paul Scruggs to be your Mister Everything. It's it's getting to the point where you're really watching 
them and thinking, okay, they didn't really, they're getting tested because there's close games. But they're not getting tested by like high level teams. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they struggle with ball pressure, which is what we said a couple times. And if that's what Cincinnati's bread and butter is right now, I don't know. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be tough to see a, a way that Xavier is. I feel good about Sunday. Let's just put it that way. You want to, you want to, you want to pot it up maybe Friday? Sure. Get a little, get a little preview pod for the shootout. Doesn't have, we don't have to do like an hour, but yeah. Uh, yeah. We can, we can fire up a little 20, 30 minute shootout preview pod. I would feel bad not putting one up and, uh, Dave has not shifted his focus to basketball yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Bring it back to the drawing board. Lock the way, it in. Yeah. The way things are going, that that could be be a little while for me. I'm uh, you're pot committed on football, right? We're, now. we're, we're chasing this uh, chasing this ship. Right. All right. So. Let's see what was. Did they turn this? Did they? No, they didn't. Okay. Whew. Then when they were at the monitor, I thought they were going to overturn that ball out of bounds call. But uh, Eastern Kentucky's got 3.4 seconds. Oh, and they call a timeout. Crazy. Uh, uh, let's get let's get your, <laughs> let's get your thought process, uh, Dave, Brent, Aaron. You're uh, you've been a little disconnected today because you were traveling to Florida. But um, what do you make of the flurry of 2022 recruit activity? Uh, connecting with each other, Bobo and Mumu, and guys like uh, Derek Shepard, uh, guys like CJ Doggett. Um, th- there's there's a whole lot of 2022 guys. Tyler Gillison, Tyler Gillison, that are communicating mm-hmm. back and forth uh, with each other, and uh, I'm I'm curious your take on that. Let's see, we what we got. We got uh, so one they offered. Who they offered Dave from? There was a uh, Caden Saunders. Caden Saunders, four-star yep. wide receiver uh, from Westerville, Ohio, Woo! current Penn State uh, commit. He's one fifty-two, I think, nationally. In the twenty-four-seven, one fifty-two nationally. Derek Shepard, one seventy-three nationally. Uh, CJ Doggett is. Uh, He's only he's only rated 85 77 um, number 21 player in Ohio only uh, yeah uh, Mumu Caden Saunders put up the commitment or the not the commitment but the uh, the, the offer Mumu says hey Caden what are you doing right now Caden says drinking water what about you <laughs> Melvin, Jordan, <laughs> Melvin Jordan chimes in with grass is always the grass is greener over here if you couldn't tell. Uh, then Mike Brown pops out of nowhere with B different. You see wide receiver coach Mike Brown. They made it! Ah! We're going to overtime. <laughs> oh, God. Overtime in Norwood. The mighty colonels of Eastern Kentucky. Let me just say, I feel I feel good about Sunday. I feel good about <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> bang, bang. Do they play in a game between now and then? Yeah, yes. they have a, they have one Tennessee more too. Tech. Yeah, Tennessee oh, Tech. Really prep them. I wish, but they, I, it's I'm it, glad it's, they have a game. It is wild <laughs> seeing uh, the Bearcats 
pop up as actively as they are with with a lot of these high four star and the high three star kids. Like you, you're looking right now, and it's a long way to go. But yeah. you are looking right now. 2022 could be something we look back on and go, okay, that was that was program changing. Well, I was just messing around, having fun with the class calculator. Uh huh. A Derek Shepard commitment puts them number six in the country, less than one point behind Georgia for the fifth-ranked recruiting class. It's pretty good. <laughs> did you throw, did you throw <laughs> Caden Saunders in there too? Just for I, did, I did not do that. <laughs> How about? Uh, I mean, you know, Derek Shepard's play. He plays with CJ Hicks, so if Derek Shepard's coming, just put them all in there. <laughs> might, as, might as well just throw CJ Hicks in there as well. Well, you saw you saw Hicks tweeted something too. He just continuously just wants to. I, I don't know if he loves the attention, but yes. Yes. It's, yes. yes, 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 but still it's like, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I saw on like at one point yesterday when I was stopping for gas or something, um, but I, I feel like I saw one of our 2022 recruits had been offered even after he committed. But oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Moomoo okay. Moo got offered by TCU. That's who it, I, th- I thought I was, it was Moomoo. I mean, we just offered Saunders, who's a Penn State commit. Yeah, that's – those are 2022 kids. They are 15 months – or 13 months from uh, signing. Signing, National Signing Day. Yeah, there's a lot of offers to, to come and go for those kids before before also, anybody uh, puts it. Yeah. Oh, so I, I oh we just that. got a uh, – we just got a this is only November from your boy, Mr. John Rothstein, after that three ball. <laughs> We'll take there's, it for that one. There's two <laughs> national guys I had to I had to put in the mute file. <laughs> <laughs> One's John Rothstein, the other's Seth Davis. I, I follow everybody else. I listen to everybody else. So, Those two guys, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't. So I a, a Caden Saunders flip, a Derek Shepard commitment, and a CJ Hicks flip would put them at fourth. I bad. Mm. I bad. I bad. No, no <laughs> wait, wait. As in like number four? In the nation, they're number wow. ten right now. Yeah, they're number I ten know. in twenty. Yeah, I know, but, you get, but number four is a number that we need to also see in a couple of weeks. If you get what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I also liked uh, who was it that um, posted? Uh, oh, what is his name? He posted just saying these are my you know Christmas wish wish list. Yeah. And he, it was Cam Jr., right? And, and he said, you know, Bearcats win national championship next year, next year, next year. I, I mean, these kids are having – these are high-level high level recruits that are out there just openly saying be different, this, that, and the other. I, I well, love I, it. I said this on Twitter before, before the uh, first playoff rankings came out. And it's changed a little bit because of the uncertainty with Ohio State's schedule moving forward. But no school is getting more run than you see. No, no, no. Because, like, you know, for the most part, if chalk holds true to form with some teams, we already know what's going to happen. Like, there's not a lot of discussion around Alabama making the playoff. They're right. Unstop. I mean, this is probably the most complete Alabama team in several years, and that's saying something. Um, you know, you would think Clemson and Notre Dame both have a very good chance to make it, and so it's kind of that what happens with that fourth spot 
Um, it's kind of an Ohio State, T Texas A&M, UC thing. And UC is the most intriguing piece because it's something that's never happened. So looking something up here. Hold pray on. to God we can uh, play a couple more games. Right. And some other things fall into place. Wasn't wasn't uh, Bobo originally at Westlake in Texas, Dave? Uh, he's from. He's bounced around he, a little he's bit. He's on the Houston seven on seven team. Yeah, no, but I mean, it, it, he's been at a couple different schools. North Shore. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, he's. They won the state championship last year, and then he tried at North at North Shore. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was looking at Westlake. Just had a. Uh, high three-star decommitment from Texas A&M. So. Yeah, I mean, we're going to – and this is going to be interesting too. I don't know how much it's going to affect UC. You are seeing – you're going to start seeing a heavy amount of decommitments uh, in hopes that kids will be able to take visits by the February signing day. Not happening. I don't think it will either. But uh, No, they, it's, it's not happening. They've shut things down until April. Well, then, the, I mean, then I'm not sure why these kids are de decommitting. Like, there were six Power Five decommitments just today. Like, Tennessee, because we knew that we knew this was going to happen. Like, Tennessee lost their number one recruit. Florida State lost a guy. Oregon, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. It's it's all over the place. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if that happens with any of UC's guys. I don't get that sense. Well, you know what makes it a lot easier to to hang on to guys. When you're trying to make Winning. a playoff. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there, it's a lot more difficult for doubt to creep in. Then you still have two, two games scheduled, one being the conference championship game, which would be like three days after signing day. I, did they move? I thought they moved it back. Is it still the, the 16th? I don't know. I mean, it, they could have very easily moved it back. I'm not, I don't know that. Uh, ECU up three with 3.30 left. ECU. EKU, sorry, EKU. It's all right. Am I like? Do I have to now stay on until this game's over? <laughs> no, no, we like don't. Good luck, because we, can, we I mean, can be done. No one's listening anymore. <laughs> I got I got a shift in like four and a half hours. All right, you can go, Dave. Bye, Dave. Good to see you. Bye, bye, boys. <laughs> bye, Dave. You guys got any other basketball stuff you want to talk about? These have just like these have devolved from podcasts into like. Us just sitting Joe, around Joe shooting the shit. Yeah, like that's what, and I'm okay with that. Like, Rogan uh, it, and it's friends. good with me. Yeah, it's good with me. Um, I mean, the basketball part, you're just sitting around watching games with your boys. The problem True. is they they no. get put. Damn it! The problem is they go up and the game's over, so yep. the people watching and listening don't get to uh, enjoy with you. But, um. All right. Well, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else. You got anything else, either of you? I'm showing National Signing Day Wednesday, February 3rd. Well, that's the second. That's the spring signing day. Um, or the, the second. There's two of them. November 11 and November 18. No. N initial. Those are junior junior college signing days. So it's D1. Oh, that's basketball. Yeah. I got nothing then. Don't mind me. You're, you're a big fucking help. That's, that's fine. <laughs> no one listened this far anyway. <laughs> All right. We good? 
Brandon, you got anything left? Uh, you want to? You want one final chance to profess your love for John yeah, Brandon's 2020-2021 Bearcats? I think uh, I think in order to make big, big splashes, you need big time players. I think he's got some big time players on the team that fit his style. I think last year we we saw it. A lot of people button heads with how to throw away the old style and and pick up on the new system. I think right now with the seven new players you kind of got the ability to kind of mold them. You, you, you heard rap saying he comes from a similar style to Julia said that he's kind of had similar things. I don't know. Sit back and watch. Right. There I'm you have ex- it folks. Just excited to see hoops. Yes. Yeah. Same. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm probably uh, going to have to do Wednesday from home, but uh, I will, I will definitely be there for the shootout Sunday. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have it covered. If even if I even if from home, I'll have it covered from home. Hopefully, Brent can make it down if he can make it work with his work schedule. Mm. Uh, but but either way, we'll have a preview coming. We'll have game coverage coming. We'll have post game Zoom with John Brandon. All of that good stuff is uh, basketball season's here. Boom, baby. Hopefully, Wednesday <laughs> five o'clock. That's Thanks, gonna wrap Dad. it up. Yeah, you're welcome, son. Brent's more like my like my nephew at this point in time. How are we, Uncle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up. Thanks to Dave Simone. Super special thanks to Justin Berg for joining us from Atlanta. Thanks to Brent Young. Thanks to Aaron Smith. It was a crossover roundtable podcast, the Holy Grail BCJ podcast, and the BBP. Let's do it right here on BearcatJournal.com.